So, uh, I've gotten back into Tumblr. I would, uh, I'm glad you say that because I have news. I have news on the front of the, of the not porn unbanning, not porn yeah, not they, unbanning. Yeah, they did not, um, they did not unban porn. Tumblr is very eager, <laughs> just itching for a hint of uncensored titty. Just a wee little bit of cock and ball. <laughs> just one. Um, yeah, so uh, for those of you who aren't on Tumblr or aren't aware, uh, Tumblr banned porn in 2017. There was a mass exodus to Twitter. Uh, and recently, like a few days ago, Tumblr unveiled a new feature called Community Labels or Community Filters. I think it's Community Labels that basically lets you label mature topics. That could be violence, sexual themes substance use stuff like that so basically all it does is label the content on tumblr that is allowed it doesn't expand the scope of what is allowed so things with sexual themes have always been allowed you just can't post explicitly sexual pictures if that makes sense no boobs no genitalia although if it's in like like a, a, a renaissance painting you can usually get by with it um if it's Boo. if it's like educational or anatomical like that kind of thing you could usually get by with it um it's always educational yeah um it seems like uh oh god and the fucking the notorious line female presenting nipples which some poor lawyer had to write out yeah. because you know what they mean you you know exactly what they mean but most of their fucking user base is trans, and so they're trying to figure out some way to make that sound gender inclusive. When it's like it's all just titties, dude. You know, it's so. <sighs> I digress. Anyway, yeah, they haven't unbanned porn. Everybody just kind of jumped to that conclusion when that is not at all what's going on. Um, Yahoo actually posted a really good interview with the head of Tumblr. I can't remember what his name is. Uh, I made a TikTok about this earlier, which is why I was looking into it. And basically he was saying how like no website really at this point could do what Tumblr did in 2007, just with how the internet has been like monopolized, commercialized with how like the app store functions in that like it's, it's going to have um, like all kinds of content filters you can't have like there's a reason like porn websites like only fans or or Pornhub don't have apps they're simply not permitted to um a Pornhub no longer is able to do credit card payments because banks are now distancing themselves from that kind of content it fucking sucks like it is so the problem is corporations yes as always the problem is capitalism the problem is corporations so if you wanted to have like a, a porn based app you would have to jump through a jillion hoops and also it would have to be crypto based it would have to be cryptocurrency based which is abominable but like like obviously i'm not big on cryptocurrency but centralized banking is also an issue i'll give them that there's a lot of fucking issues with centralized banking. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. However, I don't know how Tumblr isn't able to get by with porn, but Twitter is, even though they're both apps. Maybe, I don't know. It's not that the explicit function of either website was that. I know that the reason it was banned in 2017 was Verizon. Verizon doesn't own them anymore, though, so why don't they just bring it back? I barely understand it. I barely understand it at all, but basically Tumblr's CEO or whatever was like, 
don't blame the wee little social media company. Blame the big evil corporations. And I'm like, yeah, I would. But also, I think you could probably do more and you're just not doing it for the sake of being marketable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Stevie. Yeah. Do you have a daily question for us? I have so many daily questions. Also, by the way, porn is still on Tumblr. You just have to seek it out. Seek and you shall find. There's dicks. There's titties out there. Seek and you shall find. Um, anyway, I don't think we've done this one before. Would you rather have telekinesis or telepathy? So be able to move things with your mind or the ability to read minds. I'd rather move things with my mind. <sighs> How often are you going to use that, though? If I could do it? Yeah. Constantly. <laughs> I would never manually pick up a thing ever again. Honestly, I can't argue with that. Moving houses I would also, is such a pain in itself that I would take it just for that. Just, yeah. Just for that, like, once a year, once every two years event. You know what I mean? Also, being able to throw someone in traffic without it being traced to you? Perfect. <sighs> Are you sure it'd be without it being traced to you? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. If you're the first person to have this power, yeah, probably. But if this is in, say, a universe full of people with powers, they're going to learn to track your eyesight or whatever, you know? They'd pretty much have to catch me in the act, but I'd be really surreptitious about it. That's true. Then I guess you can just, you know, toss them as well. Who's going to stop me? Nobody's going to stop me. I but you know what a... is going to stop? Traffic with all the people <laughs> I throw into it. Arguably, you could just move yourself with your mind. You don't have to sit through traffic anymore. You're, you are your own vehicle now. However, if you lose focus... <sighs> Get fucked. <laughs> You're doomed, I guess. <laughs> Honestly, I would take telekinesis just so I wouldn't have to be burdened with telepathy. Yeah, because telepathy, there's never a good side. You don't want to hear what other people think. Oh my god, it sounds abominable. Like, there's a reason they're not saying it out loud, you know what I mean? Like, I am a firm believer in the privacy of your own mind. I don't want to have to be mad at people for things they thought about. You know what I mean? Like, I don't give a shit. As long as I don't hear it, I don't care what you're thinking about. You know, I don't want to be yeah. burdened with that. Whatever. Also, I feel like I could have a very successful, you know, movers business. You'd basically just be p playing Tetris with people's real life furniture. You just have to figure out how to set it in the truck. You pick it up with your brain. I do wonder if it would be mentally strenuous, though, like how it's normally physically strenuous. I guess it just kind of depends on the end universe, you know, superhero rules. Yeah. Ooh. But still, I'd work out that muscle so I'd be able to use it all the time. That would be delightful. That would be really fucking good. I feel like I would I would show off at the gym, but the problem is that it I would also not actually be gaining muscle. <laughs> like, pretend True. to be lifting weights. <laughs> it's like the heaviest one's there. <laughs> That's a silly joke because I only go to the gym at midnight because I don't want anybody to see me. I will never, ever show off anything at the gym. Like you do. I took a walk earlier. I took a walk around my neighborhood. It's been it's mm -hmm. been chilly in the evenings, except uh, I was trying to fall asleep last night with the window open because, you know, chilly, lovely. And then I remembered that the screen uh, on my window is broken and I always see lizards in it. They never stay in it because they're able to get out. And then I like kept myself awake, like tormented with the thought of little lizards crawling in my house. But I was falling asleep, so I couldn't get out to close the fucking window. I'd be more worried about the rats, to be honest. Um, listen, it turns out, did I tell you, it wasn't rats in our ceiling after all. It was squirrels. Oh. Turns out it was squirrels. Which I guess is better because oh. they don't, you know, procreate as quickly. And the the holes in the screen in my window are are they're much smaller. 
They're small enough for little garden lizards. They're small enough for, for, I don't know, little bugs. I've only ever seen the lizards, though. Not small enough for the, the rats, necessarily. Although rats could probably chew through that screen whether they wanted to or not. Whether there were holes already in it, they would they would be able to. Listen, if a rat wants in my house, I have no way to keep them out. <laughs> it's between the rats and God at that point. I have, I have no way of, of taking care of that on my own. It's between the rats and God. Yeah. It's Gender Swap. Welcome to Gender Swap, a podcast by two transgender siblings, one of whom is contemplating the theological ramifications of there being a rat god. The other one is just kind of going along with the ride. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Micah. My pronouns are they, them. My name is Stevie. I use he, they pronouns. And my brain is just, my brain is just full of the Arbor Square series trailer dropped an hour ago. That's what my brain is full of right now. Uh, it's very thrilling. It's very exciting. It's really fucking cool. I'm going to send it to you so you can watch it. Uh, I posted it on Tumblr. Uh, I even, listen, I paid Tumblr to show that post to people because I wanted to see if it would work. And I don't necessarily mind giving Tumblr my money. If I'm going to give it to them for anything, I figure it'd be for this. You know what I mean? Um, and I did reblog it on the Gender Swap podcast Tumblr blog. So if you would like to see the, the trailer... Go to Tumblr. Go to our Tumblr and check it out. It's very, very good. It's very cool. Hold on. I'm finding the link to send to Micah. Anyway, it's like real and happening or whatever, which is very weird, but very exciting. And well, I'm already re- I'm already reblogging it. Aw, that makes me happy. I guess it makes sense that you would follow our Tumblr blog. Yeah. Okay, there you go. I do. What's my Tumblr at? I'm not going to tell. No one needs to know that but me. Do you follow me on Tumblr? Like my personal Tumblr? I do. Do you? In fact, you have actually liked some of my posts in the past. Wait, wait. 118 days ago, you liked one of my reposts. You're not very active on on Tumblr, so I wouldn't have seen it. What? (sighs) 118 days ago. I'm actually more active on Tumblr now. There you are, bitch. I got you. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I would have expected it was. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know. I don't know why I was why I was surprised by that. That's, yeah. That that's your blog name. <laughs> that's my blog name. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I forgot I was following you. I only post good things on Tumblr, so I'm glad you're following me. Back. I I I. Yeah, I post bullshit on Tumblr. I, I I post whatever I feel like posting, and what I feel like posting often is like a mix of like commie stuff. Yeah. And uh, every now and then it's just funny, cute memes. Oh, I'm doing. I'm reblogging a lot of shit posting that I honestly don't know if it would hit with your demographic. I might be ruining your whole Tumblr dash and just not know it. I have yet to see you show up on my Tumblr dash. How many fucking people do you follow? Like four. What? <laughs> How the fuck? What? I have no idea. I have no clue. <laughs> I have no idea. If I'm not showing up on your dash, I'm a chronic poster. You must follow millions at this point. Jesus Christ. Wait, do I follow you? Hold on a second. I must follow you. I'm now wondering. I changed my my blog name recently from my high school blog to... Stevie B. Sinks? Yeah, that's the one. I don't usually publicize it, but just for the podcast peeps, I will. Because I'm getting to the point where I don't really care. And also I set it so that if people search it on Tumblr, they won't be able to find it. So even if you want to, you can't get to me. I'm untouchable. I'm taunting you. I was not following you. I am now. 
I can't believe it. You didn't even follow me back. I don't remember when I followed you, if it helps. I I don't I don't know when I did. Also, it's really funny that you were like, follow me on Tumblr, and then didn't follow me back at the time. That's like common etiquette. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at the common etiquette stuff. Speaking of stuff that's terrible. Okay, all right. Here comes the news. Our first headline. Fletch trapped Minnie in Florida as Ian heads to South Carolina. Yep, that's the one. Rescue crews piloted boats and waded through inundated streets Thursday to save lives of thousands of Floridians trapped amid flooded homes and shattered buildings left by Hurricane Ian, which crossed into the Atlantic Ocean and churned toward South Carolina. Oh my God. Hours after weakening to a tropical storm while crossing the Florida Peninsula, Ian regained hurricane strength Thursday evening over the Atlantic. Damn. The National Hurricane Center predicted it would hit South Carolina as a Category 1 hurricane Friday, with winds picking up to 80 miles per hour near midnight Thursday. The devastation inflicted on Florida came into focus a day after Ian struck as a monstrous Category 4 hurricane, one of the strongest storms ever to hit the U.S. It flooded homes on both states' coasts, cut off the only road access to a barrier island, destroyed a historic waterfront pier, and knocked out electricity to 2.67 million Florida homes and businesses nearly a quarter of utility customers in the state. It was a Category 4? It was a Category 4. It was one mile per hour shy of being a Category 5. Holy fuck. Oh my god. We got lucky as hell. Jesus. Uh, four people were confirmed dead in Florida. Oh god. They included two residents of a hard-hit Sanibel Island along with Florida's west coast. Sanibel City Manager Dan Souza said late Thursday. Three other people were reported killed in Cuba after the hurricane struck there on Tuesday. God damn. Yeah. There are mutual aid groups that are on the ground now in Florida. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't have links for them right now, but um, I will post on my Twitter. Okay. Yeah, if you send me the links, I'll post them on our Tumblr as well. Yeah. But yeah. God damn hurricane it's gotta happen once every couple years i guess yeah our next headline in mm-hmm. a reversal the education department is excluding many from student loan relief what and a remarkable reversal that will affect the fortunes of many student loan borrowers the u.s department of education has quietly changed its guidance around those who qualify for president biden's sweeping student debt relief plan so they it's announced not sweeping, really really loudly that they were going to forgive so many peoples and then they quietly changed it so that everybody gets fucked yeah guess wow, who's one of the people me. getting fucked who you me no fucking way Previous to their announcement, I was eligible. Then they announced it, and now I'm not. What the fuck? What are the new guidelines? Uh, basically, my loans are privately held. Yeah. Even though they're federal student loans. Mm-hmm. And because they're privately held, those won't be forgiven. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Oh, my God. So if uh, anybody wants to sign up for our Patreon to help me pay for my student loans. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not too happy about that. I'm sorry. God uh, damn, that fucking It is sucks. what it is. He just gets to lap up all the fucking good publicity and then fuck everyone over. As if it affects him. As if it's going to ever make a difference in his life when this could fucking change so many people's. Oh, my God. Holy fucking shit. And isn't it, doesn't it basically like automatically become privately held once you graduate? Like it gets transferred to a different institution? Uh, in my case, it did. 
Okay, I was under the assumption that that's how most of them work. No, it's because I went to college so long ago. Uh-huh. When I got federal student loans, they aren't like federal loans now. Mm-hmm. They were actually private loans that were federally backed. Okay. Oh, shit. So way back then, whenever I went to college, my only options were taking these loans that were federally backed and I was told were federal loans, but turns out were actually private loans that were just federally oh, backed. Oh, God damn. Yeah. On a lighter note mm-hmm. than that bullshit, <laughs> taking control of our own lives Virginia students walk out over reversal of transgender protections. Okay, good and bad news in that sentence. More than a thousand students walked out of Virginia middle and high schools on Tuesday, organizers said, leaving class in protest of the state's reversal of transgender protections that put decisions on students' identities and preferred names at schools exclusively in the hands of their parents. Oh, God. What's in the policy? The guidelines, released September 16th by Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin's administration, required students to use restrooms, pronouns, and names based on their official school records. It limits sports teams to gender assigned at birth, and it tightens parental notification requirements. God. What students are saying. Revoking transgender protections now would be like dialing back the clock. It'd be telling students, we don't really care. You're not who you believe yourself to be. Yeah, exactly. The fact that they were already in place and now they're just suddenly making it more strict. (sighs) God damn. It's so fucking twisted how much trans people are being targeted by the right right now. Like, it's just like a sudden hot talking point, and so they're able to get away with it. They're using it as a wedge. They're going to use transgender people as a wedge to further divide the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. And once they have transgender people cleaved off and all of our protections removed, they'll start going after everyone else. Same-sex couples and everyone else, yeah. Like, it started with protect the kids, protect the... These kids aren't really trans, blah, blah, blah. But it's also quietly rolling into adults. Like... It's also... It's always... The the line that's been used has always been protect the kids. Always. When gay marriage was, was, was being fought for, the argument was we have to protect the children against the, the gay marrieds. Yeah. Because it's, it's always projection that LGBTQ plus people are, are predatory. Fucking sexual deviants or whatever... Yeah, and it's, it's it's always protection whenever you or projection. Yeah, whenever you look at like the people that say that shit usually have their own dark shit that like, they're into. The statistics are there, you know, and kids with gay parents are not statistically like more unhappy than the children of straight parents. Like it's pretty much about the same. Like there's literally no fucking difference, you know. <sighs> this is a good. This is a good episode. This is good comedy podcast um well you'd be happy to know that those were the only three headlines i had thank fucking god i'm gonna throw up (laughs) the other headlines i had were worse i'm glad that you decided to spare us today yeah i decided to keep it relatively uh relatively cheerful relatively lighthearted. yeah good exactly relatively dancing on moonbeams over here stevie yeah hate this shit so Yeah, so that's been the news. Great. <laughs> you might notice I kind of sped through the news. Yeah. Because I'm really excited for the two segments I have planned. I'm excited for the two segments you have planned. They got to be better than the news. <laughs> oh, they are much better than the news. Good. Uh, I'm going to give you a choice. Uh-huh. Do you want to do segment A or segment B first? So you're not telling me what they are. I'm not telling you what they are. Segment A or segment B? I have my predictions in my mind about what two segments we're doing today. 
But again, I have no idea which one is A and which one is B. My vote is let's do B first. Oh, we're going to do B first? Yeah. Okay. So for this new segment, I'm going to have to come up with an entirely new drop to record for. It's a new segment? It's a new segment. Oh, is it new to the to these listeners? Well, I didn't technically do it on the bonus episode either. We just talked about it. But oh, now it's officially okay. it's officially going to be a new segment. Yay! Thing is, I haven't really quite worked out a name for it yet. I thought it was Diagnosis Ghost. Diagnosis Ghost is so much better than Ghost or Not Ghost. Yeah. Fucking Diagnosis Ghost was the whole bit last week. <laughs> ghost or so, Not Ghost? <laughs> it's like Deal or No Deal, but shittier. I would argue better than Deal or No Deal. Ghost or No Ghost. Okay, it is better than Deal or No Deal, but it is worse than Diagnosis Ghost. <laughs> so, Diagnosis Ghost. Yeah. Diagnosis Ghost. Diagnosis Ghost. Diagnosis Ghost. Diagnosis Ghost. Insert drop here, which I don't know what it's going to be yet. Okay. I'm going to make it something spooky. I'm going to put a synth in there that goes... I do like that. See, I was envisioning... Uh, I was envisioning, like, the Home Depot theme, which is, like, the exact opposite, I would say, on the, on the spectrum. <laughs> Not exactly what I was going to go for, but uh, <laughs> this is uh, a list of 10 real haunted houses across the U.S. I'm excited. So we're going to diagnose whether or not they got ghosts in them based on the provided evidence. Based Do- on the provided evidence. Yes. Are there pictures? Are there pictures included? There are pictures included. I'm copying the link. I'm going to send it to you in the chat. For people who are really into this segment after this, um, we have a we we had a backdoor pilot for this segment last week in the Patreon episode, and it was about uh, haunted paintings, and it was really really fun. Uh, so fun that we made up a whole new segment based on it. So we're going to diagnose whether or not there's ghosts. Ooh, these are fun. So we're going to start out with the Whaley House Museum in San Diego, California. This is coming from travelandleisure.com. Back in 1852, James Yankee Jim Robinson (laughs) was hung by his neck for a crime of grand larceny. Oh, God. A few years later, Thomas and Anna Whaley built a house on the spot where Robinson died. And soon enough, Yankee Jim's ghost showed up to haunt the site. It's said that his footsteps can be heard stomping around the house. Love it. Yankee Jim is such a good name for a criminal. I wish criminals still had fun little nicknames like that. That's good as hell. Yankee Jim isn't the only specter, though. Mm. Both Mr. and Mrs. Whaley, a young girl, and even the family dog has been known to make appearances from beyond the grave. The house is so thoroughly spooky that according to Time magazine, the U.S. Commerce Department's officially classified the Whaley house as haunted in the 1960s. What the fuck? They can do that? Apparently. So, just what? based on that information, do you want to say ghost or not ghost? So, I clicked on the little the little link according to Time so I could see the Time articles from 2008. It says, even hardened government skeptics apparently couldn't refute the evidence that this home ha- harbors spirits. In the 1960s, they classif- the U.S. Commerce Department classified the Whaley House as haunted. The Travel Channel has also dubbed it America's most supernatural home. Obviously, they're experts. Okay, yeah, fucking the Travel Channel. Uh, when James Whaley built the house, uh, which served as a granary in the mid-19th century, courthouse and general store, uh, in 19, wait, in 1857, he claimed to hear Robinson padding loudly through the halls. Oh, 
And it said that his wife and, or he and his wife are also there, and they announced their presence with cigar smoke and perfume. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, visitors have also reported sightings of a startlingly lifelike young girl in a long dress lounging in the dining room. So, it's unclear who the girl is. And the dog. Uh, I, I was under the assumption that the girl was their daughter, but I'm not so sure anymore because I think they would have specified that. Um, I think they would have specified that. I definitely... Oh, me. I think they'd specify it too. I definitely believe that Yankee Jim haunts the place. I I think I can believe that Mr. and Mrs. Whaley haunt the place as well. I feel like that's a lot of ghosts. This is like a, a ghost sitcom premise, you know? like Kind of. Too many ghosts. Like I, th- I think that there's... And they got this weird little fucked up dog and this random creepy girl there. I think that's really fun. Even the government... Now, what is the government's criteria for this? It was the 60s. I guess they could do whatever they wanted. They were into MKUltra at the time. So, like, what's what's the U.S. Commerce Department got to do with it? How do they Checking test for ghosts? Checking to see if it's haunted. How do they, they probably just walk into a place and just ask, hey, hey, any ghosts in here? And then wait for an answer. And they smell perfume and they're like, that's pretty fucking haunted. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I'm tempted. I kind of think this one's got ghosts. It started with a gnarly death. And then I think that once a place has ghosts, I think that the people who die there afterwards are more inclined to become ghosts as well. I don't think their passing would be as easy because there's already ghosts there, you know? Their spirits got peer pressured into staying around. But it doesn't say if the Whaley's died in the house, though. That's the thing. Like, what if they, like, did they die in a hospital and then just magically their ghost went back home? See, I do wish they provided that information. It was the 1800s, though, so I'm inclined to think that they probably died at home, you know? Like that, I'm. I don't know. I'm guessing it doesn't say they had tragic deaths because if they did, you know, they would have let us know. But my assumption is they died peacefully at home of old age or something, maybe heart disease. I don't know. So, I mean, the only evidence for Mister and Mrs. Whaley was the cigar smoke and the perfume, which is a fun calling card. I quite enjoy that. Uh, at the very least, I do believe that James Yankee Jim Robinson. Uh, was was killed there. They built a house right on the goddamn spot where he died. Could you not pick a different spot? Because this is a few years later. They knew. They knew, and they decided they had to have that spot. That's gnarly as hell. Oh, the tours are... Well, I was about to say surprisingly cheap. The, the, the daytime tour is $28. The after-hours paranormal investigation is $94.05. The, t- the trolley tour and Whaley House day tour package is $56. So, oh, if you do the, the after-hours paranormal investigation, you get hands-on with the latest ghost hunting equipment. So that's cool. Oh. <laughs> wow. Learn wow. the darker side of the Whaley House and the spirits that refuse to move on. What? Like, you're not going to tell the other the other tours the darker side? What? They had shameful secrets you're only going to tell the people who pay the most money? Girl, fuck you. <laughs> the next house. Yeah. Is the House of Death. Oh. In New York City, New York. Okay, sure. New York's Greenwich Village has had some of the most desirable real estate in the world, save for one brownstone on West 10th Street. Known as the House of Death, oh my God. the townhouse is said to be haunted by the ghosts of 22 people who lived or died within its walls, oh including God. that of a six-year-old girl who was killed by her adopted father. Oh, that's fucked up. This is New York City, however, so the house has a celebrity pedigree, too. Author Mark Twain stayed in the house back in 1900, and his spirit reportedly returns for an occasional visit. 
I don't believe that. Okay. <laughs> okay. He pops by. Sure. Okay. Whatever. Oh, the, okay. So this building has private apartments. So you can't tour the interior, but the street is a popular stop on NYC ghost tours. So I was looking at the... Oh my god! There are so many fucking deaths here. 22 people died within these walls. That's really fucked up. I was looking at the little link they sent from DaytonInManhattan.blogspot.com and this was Mark Twain Tragedy and Ghosts, published April 15th in 2011. No citations... Uh, at all. No citations <laughs> for this story at all. Um, but there's When have we ever had citations? Rarely. Rarely, really. Lots of lots of fun facts, though. There's a lot the of Holmes celebrities ha- that stayed here. The Holmes Haunted History is documented in author Jane Bryant Bartell's Spindrift 2 from a Psychic Sea, which recounts <laughs> okay. her experiences living in the, ho- the House of Death's top floor apartment. The cool. building houses private apartments, so you won't be able to go toward the interior, but the street is a popular stop for ghost tours, blah, 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 blah. You already said that. Underground Railroad member lived here. Who's Fred H. Andrew? They say this like he's a special guy, um, but apparently he was a cyclist, and in 1897, he had the bad luck to collide with little eight-year-old William Murtha on Hudson Street, breaking the boy's leg. Andrew was arrested for reckless bicycle driving. Or bicycle riding, rather. What, we're just adding that to the cursed history? A guy who ran over a child with his bike? I shouldn't laugh. That's fucked up. It's a little funny, though. Um, Also, uh, the kid probably got in the way of the bike, just ran out in front of him. Yeah, sounds like it. Apparently, Twain Not his fault, it's the kid. Yeah, it's not the kid. It sounds like Mark Twain really enjoyed this place, and his daughter would recall, one could never describe the atmosphere of adulation that swept across the threshold. I don't know what adulation is, but that sounds fucked up. Adulation is like is like uh, excessive admiration or praise. Oh. So that's not spooks. I thought it'd be spooks. It is not. Nope. They were saying we lived it up and we partied hard and this was a cool fucking apartment. Yep. Um, the... Oh, okay. Uh, apparently, the relatively quiet tradition of number 14... Uh, and this is around 1933 that they're talking and after, uh, was jolted when resident Joel Steinberg beat to death his six-year-old adopted daughter Jessica inside the house. The subsequent discovery of his physical abuse to both the sad-faced little girl and Steinberg's common-law wife shocked the city and nation. And New York lore speaks of 22 unnamed people dying in number 14 West 10th Street over the years, some of them haunting its halls, while some report that Mark Twain himself is seen on its staircase— uh, although it is called by some the house of death, in fact, a score of residents dying over the course of 160 years in any residence would be expected, especially considering that wealthy Victorians and Edwardians normally received medical treatment at home rather than a hospital. So, yeah, people just kind of died at home a lot then. Yeah. And it's a 160-year-old house, so it'd be surprising if 22 people hadn't died there over the course of, of, of the years. But it sounds like really that main one of of the man... Uh, killing his adopted daughter is the most you know tragic and violent um i don't think this one is haunted i also don't think ghosts can travel so i don't think mark twain showed up on the stairs so you don't think mark twain showed up you you don't think it's haunted even even with the six-year-old girl no because we we don't have any evidence of that happening we just have this tragic event happened a bunch of other people died and we think that sometimes we see Mark Twain here, even though it could have been any random fucking old guy. I didn't know what Mark Twain looked like until literally just now, because that old blog spot post 
posted a picture of him. I don't know what he fucking Wait. looked like. Wait. You did not know what Mark Twain looked like? Nah, he's just some guy. The gaps in your knowledge. If you show No, listen. If you showed me a picture of Mark Twain and a bunch of other old dead white male authors, I wouldn't be able to tell them apart if they're from a similar time period. I wouldn't be able to pick him out of a row of chickens. He's just some guy. I think we're both we're both googling him. He's got a prominent mustache. I'll give him that. But I also think that probably most everybody then had a mustache. I am pasting a picture in the chat. Well, I, I am looking at him right now. Here's a picture in the chat. Fucking Colonel Sanders? That's Colonel Sanders. Boom! That's Colonel Sanders. That's Colonel Sanders. I was gonna see if I, I, was gonna see if I could trick you into thinking that was Mark Twain. I know Colonel Sanders. I'm not a fucking idiot. I played the Colonel Sanders dating simulator. I know my Colonel Sanders much more than I know Mark Twain. <laughs> Which is hilarious given how familiar, like similar they look. They do. They're yeah. They're white guys with little mustaches. Although Mark Twain's is, I would I would argue, even more prominent than the Colonel's. Um, but no, I don't think this house is haunted. We don't have any accounts of any ghosts other than Mark Twain's being there. Um, I don't think that ghosts can travel. You know, uh, I think that your ghost stays wherever it died. He didn't die in this house, and they're saying that he stayed in the house back in 1900, and his spirit returns for the occasional visit. Bullshit bullshit i don't think he does if you're not seeing any other ghosts other than mark twain's i think you're just saying you saw mark twain's ghost because he's famous i don't think that this place would be in this article if celebrities had not stayed there so diagnosis not ghost diagnosis not ghost diagnosis clout chasers fuck you (laughs) so our next house is the winchester mystery house in san jose california oh my god i've heard of this According to legend, this rambling Victorian mansion that sits on a busy street in San Jose, California, is haunted by the ghosts of everyone ever killed by a Winchester rifle. I love that. Undoubtedly, a crap ton of spirits. Oh, that's the lore, you know? That's in order to appease them, the house's owner, Sarah Winchester, the heir to the Winchester rifle fortune and the founder's widow, kept adding on rooms to make house more space for the dead. Oh, she was haunted for sure. Winchester didn't simply add rooms, though. She created a labyrinth filled with halls that lead to dead ends, cut-off staircases, sloping floors, and a rabbit warren of chambers. Oh, my God. The house has 10,000 windows, 2,000 doors, 47 fireplaces, 40 staircases, 13 bathrooms, and 9 kitchens. God damn. After Sarah died in 1922, the home has hosted tours for those willing to walk among the Winchester ghosts. There is a lot of of rooms and doors there (sighs) see i've been saying this whole time that i don't think somebody can can you know i don't think their spirit will house a property unless they died on that property but the link of the winchester rifle is really fascinating and i feel like that does give a bit more of a tie than mark twain staying at this apartment once a few years back you know what i mean like so i don't think that say, my ghost is gonna inhabit an airbnb i i stayed in in jacksonville a few years back but i think that if i was i don't know i think that if i died while twitch streaming i would probably haunt twitch.tv forward slash tv underscore b yeah i think i'd probably haunt that you know i think it has to be a strong connection like that but twitch but your twitch channel isn't a physical place you can't oh haunt- okay that was a bad example um but you know what I mean? I feel like the rifle thing is more plausible. Maybe it's because there's more violence to it. Maybe that's why I feel like that. Part of my issue so, 
is that Mark Twain had happy memories at that apartment. Okay. Okay. I, I'm following. I, I do not think necessarily that a spirit would stay behind for good reasons. Typically, it seems like some kind of pain. In general, ghost lore, based on an amalgamation of every piece of ghost-centric media I've consumed in my entire life, it always seems like it's going to be something negative tying them to the, the mortal plane. You know what I mean? You know, if they're enlightened and content and happy, they're moving on. Because only, you know, shitty stuff is going to keep you tied to Earth. So, I could see that being murdered by a Winchester fucking rifle could cause you to haunt the creator of the rifle or the next of kin. Also... So you're saying that ghosts do travel in this case? I think that if there's, like, a strong connection, I think so. But I don't think they travel willy-nilly. Keep in mind, folks, that Stevie is a professional uh, ghost diagnoser. Yeah, it, it, I'm a it, professional ghost doctor. So, uh, there professional there, ghost doctor. There are going to be special circumstances. So, what Stevie says here can basically be taken as science fact. It can, yeah. So, usually ghosts aren't going to travel except in the case of special circumstances, which in this case it is. Listen, it's hard to say if the house is haunted or if Miss Winchester herself is haunted. You know what I mean? Because it seems like she was. Okay, so in this case. In the, in the case of uh, Sarah Winchester, we're going to say ghosts. Ghosts. But in the case of the house... Hell, it sounds like she invited him in. You know what I mean? I don't know if they even planned to, to haunt her house. I don't know if the house in particular did anything. But hell, she made him a fucking hotel. She made a ghost hotel. A ghostel, if you will. Like... Oh, a ghostel. I don't think that the house would have been haunted if Miss Winchester hadn't added rooms to make space for him you know so you're saying that sarah winchester invited the haunting listen i'm not gonna are you victim blaming? i was about to say not to victim blame someone who has been beset by spirits but also she was rich as fuck and she was the heir to the winchester rifle fortune and the founder's widow that is such a gnarly story like her husband invented this rifle and she was so like beset with guilt and grief at the prospect of people dying over it that after he passed away she just kept building fucking rooms and her husband i'm i don't know i'm assuming she started this while he was alive is like this isn't a creepy thing to come home to this is normal and i'm going to go back to my gun office tomorrow to sell more guns and my wife's affliction is normal what the fuck there's a lot going on here diagnosis ghosts for sure so ghosts in the house also yeah eventually i think it was first miss winchester and then eventually yeah ghosts diagnosis (laughs) oh they've axe throwing parties out in the stables that's a fun little tidbit they added at the end (laughs) it's funny you should mention axes okay because the next house is the lizzie borden bed and breakfast which is in Fall River, Massachusetts. Are you familiar with Lizzie Borden? The name was familiar, but I couldn't place why. And I read the first sentence. Oh my God, that's that's crazy. Back in 1892, Andrew and Abby Borden were found dead, killed by an axe-wielding psychopath. The police's number one suspect was Andrew's daughter, Lizzie. Lizzie stood trial for the crimes and was ultimately acquitted, but she did spend the rest of her life under the shadow of guilt. She is now said to haunt the Fall River, Massachusetts home where her father and stepmother were murdered and her ghost can be heard laughing at the top of the stairs. 
The house That's also so serves as a museum and a bed and breakfast outfitted with ghost cams <laughs> where stalwart <laughs> guests can spend the night listening to Liz- for Lizzie's ghost, the ghosts of her murdered parents, or the echoes of the maid's screams after she found the Bordens dead in their home. In their beds. Ooh, that's spooky. Um, I'm looking at the website, and I love the theming. However, it's a little fucked up that they named the house after the possible axe-wielding psychopath. That's a little fucked up. Um, that's wild. They have a mystery game. They have a mystery game? Ooh. Okay, so they're definitely, you know, profiting kind of crazy on this. Uh, it's an app... That can be taken anywhere. Yeah, girl. That's an app. (laughs) Fucking okay. Uh, It's an interactive decision-based game taken on your iPhone or Android device that allows you to make your way through the board and property to uncover the killer or killers, plural. Use your wit or detective skills to analyze clues, view evidence, and interrogate witnesses. Can you solve this ghastly unsolved mystery? That's presumptuous. It's literally an unsolved mystery. How are you going to fucking decide if I did it right or not? How are you going to decide? Ghost they don't care as long as virtual? you download the app. Yeah, they're definitely making bank off of this shit. Oh, they have a little um, a little YouTube channel where they have live-streamed ghost tours. That's oh. fun. Oh, and you can so book fu- them? Oh. Yeah, they're definitely profiting like crazy off of this shit. Um... The rooms sort of related have different names. Yeah, go ahead. Sort of related. I actually mm-hmm. use Lizzie Borden in a lyric I wrote. Oh, for real? The song is called Do a Murder on You. Oh my god. I know that song. I don't think the, I realized that lyric before. And the lyric is I'll play Lizzie Borden and you'll have a small accident. That's funny. I like that so much. Okay. So there's the John Morse room, the Lizzie and Emma suite. Andrew and Abby Sweet, Bridget Sullivan Room, Jose and Knowlton. I'm assuming these are different staff members. There's a fucking washroom, but it's actually a bedroom. Wait, 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 listen. <laughs> I think this room alone is haunted. You may only enter through the basement door at the back of the house to access your room. Once you arrive in the basement, your room is immediately to your left. You can slide the door across to establish the final privacy wall for your room. Your bed is encased in a unit against the wall. Please do not venture into the employee-only areas at the end of the basement and the washer and dryer area. Your door code will work on the side door of the house to access common areas, but the only way to enter into the basement room is through the basement door in the back. The door leading to the basement stairs from inside the house will remain shut. So you're literally not allowed to go through the house and through the inside, like, basement stairs. You have to go outside the house to get inside your room. And then the employees are working, like, across the way. So if they have to do laundry or something at midnight, oh, fuck you. What the hell? (laughs) What? Oh, there's another one called... Oh, my God. The room is literally called Under the Hatchet. And it's also in the basement. That's fucked up. I bet those are the cheapo rooms. Anyway, diagnosis. She was acquitted. She was acquitted. But the murders did happen there. Hey, that's true. The murders did super happen. I do wonder who else would have been. Oh, I feel like I need more evidence. I feel like I need to look into this further. Um, okay, okay, okay. It's worth noting that they're not saying that the ghosts of Andrew and Abby were heard. They're saying that specifically you can hear her ghost laughing at the top of the stairs. 
They do pose the idea that you can, you know, be a guest spending the night listening for her ghost, the ghost of her parents, or the echoes of the maid's screams, blah, 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 blah. But I don't think memories can haunt a place. I think that ghosts can. And if Lizzie didn't die there, to be I'm fair, gonna, if she did murder them, that could be a strong emotional connection. I'm gonna I'm gonna deviate a bit here. Yeah. I think memories can haunt a place. Do you think so? I do. I can't like refute that. It's not like I have evidence for or against that. I I mean Neither neither do I. I have no evidence for it. I have no evidence against it. I'm just I'm just stating that I think memories can haunt a place. Based on vibes? Yeah, probably. I mean, I can see it's a compelling idea. I love the idea, you know? Like I feel like some things are just like objectively compelling or horrible or wonderful. I would like to think that wonderful memories could also haunt a place, but I am less inclined to think that those do, if you know what I mean, which is a bummer, but yeah. Diagnosis maybe ghost? Diagnosis maybe ghosts. It sounds like you think it's a ghost. Look, I'm just saying, people got axe murdered there. People did get axe murdered there. We can't get past... We, 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 we can't really slide past that part. <sighs> you know, they have I feel like getting there. axe murdered would make a ghost. They have weddings there. Yeah, like you do. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Oh, my God. <laughs> they sell a haunted doll. Oh, my God. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Wow, we she's fucked up. Okay, her name is Lily. This is on the Lizzie Borden website. I was looking for details of the case, by the way, when I, I scrolled over the shop option and just saw one that says Lily. <laughs> I'm going to drop you this picture. Just, um, there you go. It's a hell of a doll. That's a hell of a doll. And they said, uh... That you can use Lily to warden off other ghosts and ghouls around Halloween. Put Lily on a porch, hang her on a door, put her on a shelf, or use her to scare friends, family, and children. <laughs> That's fucked up. Make Lily move around or appear in different places for others to find each morning. Terrify children. Again with the terrifying children. And scare your friends and family. Yeah, you already posed that as a selling point. Um, so it's a Halloween It's a Halloween elf on a shelf. On a shelf. It's Halloween off on the shelf. It literally says that she's a new Halloween season tradition. Um, she'll ship within three business days of your order. Um, historians have tracked Lily's background to the early 1600s, unearthing reports of occult practices, pagan rituals, and warding rites imported from Europe by the Dutch colonialists of Lower Manhattan. Handmade figurines like Lily were left out to frighten off local spirits and New World ghosts. Sure, whatever. An archaic custom dating back to the Vikings and Romans. The conquerors of foreign lands brought with them a piece of their folklore as protection. This is giving very much like foreign mysticism, you know, the foreign as like strange and mystical and like we need protection from it. Girl, you're the one syphilis i digress the original lily was delivered to a paranormal research group from its owner who stated oh my god i found her outside my door one morning with a note that said not to put her by mirrors or in the same room i sleep in i gave her a flashlight so she could drain the batteries but instead she made my lights flicker at night my cat would not go near her and my dog would just stare at times sometimes or at times i would be woken up from a dead sleep smelling burnt toast or sometimes a sweet fruity smell her favorite color is red that is all I know. Boy, that's creepy as fuck, huh? Yeah, it is creepy. Hey, speaking of creepy. Yeah. The Valeska Axe Murder House in Valeska, Iowa. Lots of axe murders. Okay. The small Iowan town of Valeska, population around 1,108, doesn't have much to offer tourists. Except for a night of terror at the Valeska Axe Murder House. Oh my God. Back in 1912... The Whitewood House was the site of a horrifying crime 
that left an entire family, including four children and their two young friends, dead by an axe-wielding murderer. That's fucked up. There were several suspects, including an Iowa State senator, but no one was ever charged with the bloody crime. Some 110 years later, the ghosts of the victim are said to remain in the house yearning for justice. Oh my god. So their website has a little history page. On a, okay, June 10th, 1912, Visilla, Iowa. Um, on a quiet residential street in this small town sits an old white frame house. On a dark evening, the absence of lights and sounds are the first indication to visitors that this house is different from the other homes that surround it. Upon closer inspection, you'll notice its doors and windows are tightly closed and covered. An outhouse in the backyard, bada 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 bada, whatever, whatever, whatever. It is the murder house, bada bada bada. The walls still protect the identity of the murderer or murderers who bludgeoned to death the entire family of Josiah Moore and two overnight guests. Bada 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 bada. Okay, seems to be speaking. Okay, okay, give me the fucking details. They said an Iowa senator was a suspect? Yep, an Iowa state senator was one of the suspects. Frank F. Jones, a prominent Vasilla resident and Iowa state senator, could have been responsible for the brutal deaths. Why? Is there any? <laughs> There's no evidence other than people kind of thought that, because wouldn't that be fucked up? Others adamantly insisted that the crazed Reverend George Kelly was the culprit. Still others believe that the Moore murders were the work of someone totally unrelated to the town of Basilla, a possible tra- traveler, hobo, or serial killer. Um, they have to, you know, vilify somebody. Oh, wait. <gasps> there is reason for the senator. Josiah Moore, the guy who got murdered, uh-huh. worked for Frank yeah. Jones, the senator, at the Jones store for several years until he opened his own implement company in 1908. According to Vasilla residents, Jones was extremely upset that Moore had left his employee and managed to take the very lucrative John Deere franchise with him. Oh, that's crazy. Okay. Rumor was that Moore had an affair with Jones' daughter-in-law, Donna, which further fanned the flames. Detective Wilkerson of the Burns Detective Agency openly accused Frank and his son, Albert, of hiring William Mansfield to kill Joe Moore. Neither Jones was ever arrested and both denied vehemently any connection to the murders. That's crazy. So there is a guy who maybe was paid to do that shit. Oh, apparently he was a cocaine fiend and a serial killer, according to Wilkerson. That's that could up. just be libel. Yeah, that literally could just be libel. Okay, so Wilkerson convinced a grand jury of this guy's guilt, but payroll records provided an alibi that placed Mansfield in Illinois at the time of Vasilla murders. So he was released for a lack of evidence and won a lawsuit he brought against Wilkerson and was awarded uh, around $2,200, which was probably a fuck ton of money at the time. Wilkerson believed that the pressure from Jones resulted not only in Mansfield release, but also in the subsequent arrest and trial of Reverend Kelly. So after Mansfield was released, Reverend Kelly was put on trial. Okay, so Wilkerson is determined to believe that the senator was at fault, despite the lack of evidence. Like, Mansfield literally had an alibi. Okay, so $2,000 in uh-huh. 1913, uh-huh. which is probably about whenever the, the, the trial was, wherever he was given the money, uh-huh. comes out to $59,832 today. That is no small amount. That is no small amount. The reverend confessed... But the theory is that the confession was given under duress and torture, which is fucked up. Oh, man. Yeah, but sounds about right, given the time period. Yeah, very much. It was 1912. Um, he was also a traveling preacher, so it sounds like people were very skeptical of him in general. I would be skeptical of a traveling preacher. You know, who am I Who am I to kid? I would be. Um, I would he was be arrested too. and charged with that murder. 
He was invited to attend the Children's Day exercises at the Presbyterian Church on June 9th of 1912. So his presence in Vasilla on the night of the murders and his subsequent departure in the early morning hours of June 10th made him a prime suspect. So he skipped town right after. Excuse me. His first trial resulted in a hung jury and he was finally acquitted by the second. Yeah. It sounds like he confessed under pressure. It's unclear. That's crazy. Anyway, is it haunted? Is it haunted? You know... Like, six people got murdered. At least one of them's probably haunting it, right? (laughs) So, diagnosis, lone ghost. Diagnosis, at least one ghost. You know? It's improbable that there's not at least one there. Diagnosis, ghost, for sure. (laughs) So, the next house is called Bell Witch Cave in Adams, Tennessee. Ooh, it's got a spooky little picture. In the early 1800s, John Bell brought a tract of farmland along Tennessee's Red River. Bell and his family thrived on the farm until they started to see a strange-looking animals around the property, most notably a dog with a rabbit's head. Didn't know we were in the monster zone. This is fun. From that point on, the family was ambushed by unseen forces, largely targeted at John and his daughter Betsy. They experienced physical attacks, heard unexplained noises, and even spoke with the entity in at least one account. The spirit identified herself as the Bell's former neighbor, Kate Batts, who was exacting revenge from beyond the grave for some unknown slight. What the fuck? The entity is rumored to have prevented Betsy's marriage to a local boy and is believed to have killed John. According to one Bell Witch website, the haunting is backed by plenty of evidence, including eyewitness accounts, affidavits, and manuscripts penned by those who experienced the haunting firsthand. That's really fucked up. Oh my god. Several accounts varied on who or what was causing the disturbances or why they were tormenting the Bell family. The sounds the family heard escalated to a voice speaking directly to them until it could be heard in every room of the house, especially while terrorizing John's youngest daughter, Betsy, with beatings that left her unconscious. Oh, my God. So shit. people started hearing about this force and they, they started camping out on their farm by the hundreds, hoping to witness this strange phenomenon. So this Bell witch, as it became known, vowed to kill John Bell and subsequently took credit for his death three years later when a vial was found next to his deathbed with a strange liquid inside. Super ghost. Super ghost. Oh, the Diagnosis Bell Witch super ghost. Super ghost. The Bell Witch was also known for her accurate predictions of the future and her vows to John Bell's children of her return in future years. Did the Bell Witch return or did it never leave? We will let you decide. So spooky. I love it. It is on the National Register of Historic Places. Well, all right. That's crazy. Yeah, so it sounds like there's a lot of accounts of it. Oh, my God. There's, like, okay, bellwitch.org slash story.htm has, like, a whole timeline. And it has, like, every account of her, you know, doing whatever. She developed a voice and becomes violent. The Bell Witch ridicules Andrew Jackson's sidekick. (laughs) I mean, who hasn't? As she should, honestly. I'll give her that. That's crazy. And then she sets her sights on John Bell. Oh, yeah. Super ghost. Super, super ghost. Oh, my God. And then, okay, Betsy Bell, the little girl who was, like, super beset by this ghost, um, Uh her engagement was disrupted. Everyone was happy about their engagement. Well, almost everyone. The evil, mysterious entity became furious and repeatedly ordered Betsy to not marry Joshua. That is crazy. Oh, ew. 
Betsy and Joshua's former school teacher, Professor Richard Powell, had been noticeably interested in Betsy for some time and expressed interest in marrying her when she became older, which fucking sucks. He was 11 years her senior. That's fucking gross. Oh, and that teacher was secretly married to a woman in Nashville? How is this connected to the Bell Witch? Why are y'all letting me know this other than that's creepy? That's Just mood it? setting. Letting you know it's creepy. Yeah. Okay, apparently the professor also didn't want her to marry Joshua. Yeah, but not for ghost reasons, because he was a fucking creep. That's unrelated. The constant pressure so- was more than Betsy could handle, and she broke off the engagement on Easter Monday of 1821. That's so sad, girl. You're going to let a ghost peer pressure you? Mama, just move out of the town. Anyway. Yeah. Super ghost for sure. Diagnosis, super ghost. Yep. Okay, the next house. Unexpected one. Is the White House in Washington, D.C. <sighs> You know, I laugh. I could see a lot of people haunting the White House. I could also see a lot, like, the slaves that built it. Oh, yeah. The White House may be home to the president, but is also rumored to have many illustrious ghosts within its storied walls. President Ronald Reagan reportedly entertained dinner party guests with stories of his dog barking at invisible specters and his daughter, Maureen, waking to a transparent figure looking out the window of the Lincoln bedroom. That's fucked up. It may have been President Lincoln himself returning to his former home in the hopes of reuniting with his wife and son. British Prime Minister Winston Churchill reportedly encountered Lincoln's ghost as well while he was stepping out of the bathtub. Lincoln's now, ghost is such a pervert. Why was Lincoln's ghost waiting in the fucking bathroom? Okay, now hold on a second. I do need to point out something about Winston Churchill. Yeah. He was a notorious drunk. That is true. He so was. take everything he said with a grain of salt. He also uh, did genocide in India. So, you know, yeah. Churchill not exactly going to take sucks. his word on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't trust him as much. Dogs, however, I do trust when animals see ghosts. I really trust when animals see ghosts. I don't because my dogs continually do that to me. I have bad news for you then. <laughs> nope. Nope. Can't argue with nope. that again. <laughs> nope. Nothing wrong here. Listen, people... People die all the time. I feel like most houses are probably a little haunted. Like Not mine. Micah's is the exception, though. That Yeah. Yep. You don't have to worry, luckily. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln and his wife, Mary Todd, held seances in the White House, oh my God. according to Mental Floss. They hoped to contact their son, Willie, who died of typhoid, presumably from contaminated water pumped into the White House. That's really sad. They never contacted their son, but they did claim to get in touch with President Andrew Jackson, who was loitering in his former bedroom. He would be the type to loiter in his former bedroom. Girl, move on. Fucking go to hell. According to the White House Historical Association, President William Henry Harrison, the first president to die in the White House, continues to keep up residence. It's not just former presidents who haunt the hall of the highest office in the U.S., however. Dolly Madison, wife of President James Madison, is said to visit the garden she helped plant. And Abigail Adams, wife of President John Adams, is known to do her laundry in the East Room. Huh. You know, I would be skeptical if they said that, like, every president haunted the place. You know what I mean? But this is kind of a random assortment, which does incline me a little bit further to believe it might be true. Yeah, there's a whole, like, whitehousehistory.org. There's, like, an official page by the, the chief historian that's really cute. Yeah. Abigail Adams, all the Yes, all the ones you said. The thing about uh, Abraham Lincoln doing seances makes me really sad, actually. Um, yeah. That I do. I, I do believe that. Oh. Okay. So this isn't only, like, recent claims. Um, 
<laughs> okay, wait. Some of these are funny. Um, okay, lesser known spirits. White-haired old man that disturbed President Chester Arthur at night. A beautiful maiden in a flowing white dress sighted at the old cons- conservatory. And the, un- <laughs> and the unidentified boy called The Thing that greatly frightened the Taft resident staff in 1911. <laughs> the fucking thing? Okay, all right. Um, the Washington- So what's the diagnosis? Ah, uh, ghost, for sure. Listen- the USA has done a lot of fucked up stuff. I'm certain there's at least some ghosts, if not a fuck ton of ghosts, haunting the White House. As early as 1883, there was a White House critic newspaper that said an old man haunted the second floor bedrooms. They didn't specify who he was, but it's just some old fucking man. Cool. Yeah, no. Definitely, definitely, definitely ghosts, for sure. Diagnosis ghosts. Okay, the next house is the Sally House in Atchison, Kansas. Atchison. Okay. If you're into ghost hunting shows, you probably already know about this famous haunted house. This unassuming home in Kansas is rumored to be the dark lair for a demon who takes the form of a little girl stemming from a family's bizarre experiences there. In the early 1990s, new renters Deborah and Tony Pickman claimed they saw strange occurrences in the house, including flickering lights, apparitions, possessions, unexplained voices, and strange scratch marks and burns on their bodies. Oh my god. Those occurrences seem to have been the work of a ghost of a young girl named Sally. Former renters Bobby and Colleen Humbard, along with their daughter Heather, also claimed to have seen or heard Sally, whom Heather claimed was her imaginary friend. Fuck that. Fuck that. Hey. But apparently, Sally isn't some harmless ghost. Theories around her, mal- her malevolent presence in the house, as well as some evidence of satanic rituals in the basement, suggests that Sally is, in fact, a demon disguised as a young girl. Okay, that's cool as hell. Not cool. Super fucked up. Uh, I believe dogs, cats, and kids. Listen, people are less inclined to believe kids because they're fucking kids. Listen, if a kid says they have an imaginary friend, I don't trust that shit. I'm sorry. I was looking at the website, uh, and there's, like, a ton, a ton of events that have been listed um like the dog growling at nothing okay yeah animals can be you know a little little sketchy it can be a little nervous um but this was especially near the upstairs nursery fires broke out sinister attacks on the husband began the operating area would become cold i don't know what that means operating area makes it sound like a hospital so i don't know what the fuck that means um, i don't know what that ob- means either objects would visibly move when the young man drew near uh the scratches on his chest or abdomen but the ghost never attacked the wife or baby events that have been events that have been witnessed by visitors to the sally house include video investigative equipment that stopped working batteries that are full immediately and completely draining experience moving objects unexplained scratches or bruising on their bodies during or after visits physical touches mysterious coldness or trained guide dogs refusing to enter the nursery seems to keep coming back to the nursery which is really interesting and i am interested in the fact that the ghost never attacked the wife or baby so what's your diagnosis on this one ghost ghost for diagnosis sure ghost ghost okay oh the thing about the operation room that's why i was confused um it was originally built to be uh like a residence of a physician so the front served as office space and examination rooms okay oh there's a reason it's called the sally house i didn't even read the history part i just skipped to the hauntings part uh long story short a frantic mother arrived carrying her daughter named sally she collapsed from severe abdominal pain appendicitis began oh jesus oh that's actually really gruesome 
Oh, I don't know if I want to read that on the podcast. Okay, basically the operation fucked up before she was under anesthesia. It went really bad. She super died. Yeah, that's fucked up. It was definitely haunted. So definitely haunted. Definitely super haunted. Oh my god. Diagnosis super haunting. Super haunted. Okay, that would make sense if she just like doesn't trust men because she died on the operating table um thinking that the doctor was like tormenting her. So it would make sense if she just, like, didn't trust men after this. It would make sense. Super haunted. So the next house. Yeah. Franklin Castle in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. This imposing Victorian house is considered to be the most haunted house in Ohio, and it's easy to see why. It was built in the 1800s by Hans Tiedemann, who was known around Cleveland to be cruel and abusive. When a string oh, of mysterious shit. deaths in Tiedemann's family happened to the house, those rumors crystallized. Mm. Among the many people who suddenly lost their lives in the house was Emma... Tiedemann's daughter, who apparently died due to complications with diabetes. Then Tiedemann's mother and three more of his children died. Tiedemann's wife, Louise, also passed away, apparently due to liver failure, but rumors circulated that Tiedemann was actually responsible. Hmm. It's also rumored that he murdered the other members of his family, including his niece, a possible illegitimate daughter, and his mistress. Tiedemann moved away from the house shortly after his wife's death. Since the tragedies, the house has passed from owner to owner, including a chapter of the German Socialist Party that remained there for 55 years. No fucking locals, way. Locals heard rumors that the house was actually a den for Nazi spies. But more Eesh. recent investigations have found troubling evidence of foul play, including human bones within the walls. Holy fuck. The Franklin Castle is a private residence, so you can't tour it. But many ghost tours pass by the home to tell its spooky story. You can also catch the house on an episode of Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures. Oh my god. So I clicked on the link on A Den for Nazi Spies, and it takes you to an article that's uh, kind of like an interview, I think, with some guy who wrote a book or co-author of Haunted Franklin Castle. This is Bill Krejci? I don't know. It's K-R-E-J-C-I. I'm not even close to knowing how to pronounce that. Um... But uh, some of the examples of hauntings, aside from the the fucking bones thing, oh my god, okay. Uh, so he said there were stories that the original owner might have murdered family members, there were stories of bootlegging, Nazi spying, and a mass execution, but none of the stories are true, with him pointing out that the human bones were discovered in an upstairs wall in 1975. Why is he saying that the human bones being discovered there disproves any of the shit said before? That actually sounds way worse, my guy. Okay, the bones were in an upstairs wall? That's intentional placement. If it was downstairs, it's like, oh, well, they, maybe they were already in the ground. Upstairs? <laughs> Them's hiding the bones. Okay, as far as uh, the things you can't explain, because the bones in the wall are very explainable, uh, footsteps yeah. crossing the ballroom on the top floor, somebody talking from another room when you're the only one in the house, somebody running up the stairs and waking you up, you hear a child giggling... Uh, and the, this author believes that the giggle likely comes from the girl in white, the Tiedemann's daughter, uh, Emma, who died from diabetes. Uh, he believes there's another ghost in the house, the so-called lady in black, who may be Emma's mother, Louise. Interesting. Okay, I'm... Oh, Mrs. Tiedemann died in her bedroom, which is usually... Or used to be, sorry, 10 to 15 degrees colder than the rest of the house. I guess it's not anymore, based on how he said that. <laughs> so that faded over time. <laughs> her ghost got weaker... She got bored of just making this one room cold. Fucking okay, whatever. See, the bones thing really gets me. The other yeah, shit... Yeah, the bones, the bones kind of point to a definite haunting. The other shit, I'm like, poor infrastructure. 
you know like like the 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 cold room the footsteps thing the weird noises i feel maybe it's just an old fucking house you know the bones thing however i don't know there's a there's there's a fair amount of stuff here um so diagnosis diagnosis yeah yeah i think there's a ghost diagnosis yeah there's a ghost (laughs) <laughs> the next house whoa this one's huge is the Biltmore Mansion in Asheville North Carolina fun fact I've actually been there I remember it wasn't it for your honeymoon it was for our honeymoon yes it's really cool George Washington Vanderbilt II built the stately vacation home in the 1800s since then it has gained a reputation for being one of the most haunted places in North Carolina and the country while nothing completely nefarious has ever happened on the estate Uh, I don't know. Mm. The home's former owners seem to remain very active in the afterlife. After Vanderbilt died in 1914, his estate passed on to his children, who decided to open the home up to the public. That's when the paranormal activity apparently began. Visitors have claimed to hear a woman's voice, possibly Vanderbilt's wife, Edith, calling his name, and some say they've spotted some ghostly apparitions. The estate also features a number of hidden doors and passageways, adding to the home's overall spook factor. <laughs> That's really funny. I'm going to say no ghosts. It really does not seem like there's many ghosts. If they didn't notice any paranormal activity until it was opened up to the public, I I feel like that's just people hearing stories, spreading rumors. Like, I'm not going to say it's mass hysteria, but you know what I mean? Like, it's easy yeah. to convince yourself of something if you've heard a prior story. It's confirmation bias, you know what I mean? But it's not like these stories were ever there beforehand. Um, I'm looking on another website about it, saying the thing about Edith whispering the name George. Workers and visitors have reported hearing the sounds of clinking glasses, laughter, and snatches of music echoing through the halls. There have even been reports of sounds of splashing coming from the estate's now empty swimming pool. That's interesting. Anyway, fuck rich people. I don't think they're haunting this place because I think they're in in hell. So, (laughs) Diagnosis, not ghost. Diagnosis, not ghost. Capitalists okay. don't get to be ghosts. So this oh, has been uh, got a winery. That's nice. Fucking yeah, they do. We actually bought a bottle of wine from it. Is it good? Was it good? Yeah. <laughs> Was it expensive? And they charged more than I thought they should have. Yeah. 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 It tracks. Shitty so ghost this, wine. <laughs> shitty ghost wine. So this has been uh, our new segment: Diagnosis Ghost. It's got ghosts in it. It's got ghosts in it. So now we're going to go on to the next segment. Yeah. So, Stevie, I'll uh, need you to uh, change your clothes. Okay. What am I getting in? You're going to get in something uh, revolutionary. Okay. Um, fucking what's revolutionary? Um, a bomber jacket. I'll put on a bomber jacket and combat boots. I'll be revolutionary chic. You know what I mean? Okay. Bomber jacket, combat boots. Anything else? Jeans. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, jeans are solid. What are you wearing? What am I wearing? Yeah. I'm wearing a red lace thong and a smile. I love that for you. <laughs> so our next segment, we're going to uh-huh. move on from uh, Diagnosis Ghost mm-hmm. to uh, another area. You know, shit, I can't make it work. I can't make it work. Where Fuck are you? it. <laughs> we're going to Mischievous Boys.
Okay, so you're going over to the Mistress Boys Hall of Fame to lay another offering at my feet. Okay, you could have just said that. <laughs> I could have, but, you know, I didn't feel like it. <laughs> Which, honestly, this is a Mistress Boy. I don't care what you say. You're pretty sure of it? I'm positive of it, because we're talking about Erico Malatesta. I don't know who that is. Cool. Well, good news for you, Stevie. We're going to talk about Erico Malatesta's entire life. Great. <laughs> Starting in 1853, okay. when he was born, in Caserta cool. Province in southern Italy. Okay. In 1867, at the age of 14, Malatesta was arrested for writing a letter to King Victor Emmanuel II complaining about a local injustice. Oh, I love this guy. This fucking 14-year-old. Oh, this poor kid. He really thought the king was going to be able to help. Also, the fact that they arrested him for that is wild. He legitimately was just calling on the authorities to to assist, which is what he thought at the time authorities were supposed to do. That's so yep. fucked up. So obviously got radicalized at a very young age. Oh, this poor guy. Whenever they didn't go for him and he ended up in jail. God damn. In 1871, uh, having been expelled from medical school for joining a demonstration, Malatesta becomes a member of the Italian section of the International. He also trained himself as a mechanic and electrician. Cool. He's got a lot of skills. Got a lot of skills. In 1872, he met Bakunin in Switzerland. Bakunin was another famous anarchist. In 1877, with fellow anarchists Andrea Costa and Carlo Carfirio, he leads an armed band into two villages in Campania where they burned the tax registers and declared an end to Victor Emmanuel's reign. The townspeople welcomed them, but refused to join the insurrection. The group was broken up by the arrival of troops soon after. That's wild. They're going crazy. And the townspeople are perfectly happy with this. They just didn't want to, you know, get risky with it. Damn. So who's Victor Emmanuel? Is that the king or is that the, what, what are we talking about there? That was the king. That was the king that okay. he wrote to. Gotcha. Damn. Man, that one event really totally changed the course of his life, huh? Mm-hmm. They tracked 18... that motherfucker down because he wrote a letter. That's insane. In 1878, Malatesta leaves Italy to visit friends in Egypt. The Italian government takes steps to prevent his return. Oh, he my travels God. To... <laughs> he travels to Geneva where he befriends Kropotkin and Elise Recluse, other famous anarchists. He was forced to leave a few months later. He visited Romania and Paris. Cool. In 1881, he took a residence in London. Traveling, hanging out. Traveling, hanging out, meeting people like you do. In 1883, he returned to Italy where he wrote his most commonly widely read pamphlet, Between Peasants, in which he advocates for anarcho-communism. Get him. In 1884-85, he visited Florence, assisted in a cholera epidemic in Naples. He was arrested and sentenced to three years imprisonment for his writing. He oh jumped God. bail. He jumped bail and sailed to Buenos Aires, where he spent the next four years spreading anarchist ideas among Italian immigrants there. This guy is so fucking cool. Like, he's 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 very much just, you know, fuck the government. I'm gonna do what I need to do. Fuck off. I think that's great. Power to the people. In 1889, he returned to London. Okay. In 1891, he published the influential pamphlet, Anarchy. And visited Spain during the Jerez Uprising. Mm -hmm. In 1892, witnesses the general strike for universal suffrage in Belgium and recognizes the limitations of this technique. Oh. 
1896, organizes the London Congress for the Second International. In 1897, Malatesta returns secretly to Italy, where he edits the anarchist paper La Agitazione. During this period, rising prices and poor harvests result in peasant uprisings. Listen, I'm glad they're doing it. We really could. I feel like they used to have so many more uprisings. I feel like they used to have so many more revolutions. Like, if we were living in, like, our current conditions in, say, like, France or Italy, and it was, like, pre, I don't know, 1900, they would have beat ass already, you know? Not necessarily. You're forgetting the labor wars in the U.S. Labor wars, labor wars, labor wars. The American education system did me dirty. Oh, are we talking, like, Industrial Revolution, and then all the miners were like, hey, fuck you, you're being abusive? Yeah. 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 Uh, in, w- in which the, the U.S. government called in actual troops and bombed miners. Yeah, the miners did. Yeah, no, that's true. They kind of already did try that shit, huh? Yeah. In 1899, he escapes by boat during a storm and returns to London. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped one. In 1898, he was arrested in the city of Ancona following riots there and charged with criminal association. Oh, criminal association. Not doing the crimes, but being friends with those who did. Exactly. Convicted of belonging to a seditious organization, Malatesta is sentenced to imprisonment on the island of Lampedusa. Oh. He escaped by boat during a storm and returned to London. He visited the U.S. where he meets with Italian and Spanish anarchist groups in New Jersey. (laughs) During a heated discussion at an anarchist meeting, he is shot in the leg. What? What? They just... They took their debate seriously. The fact that... Okay, fucking of course this was in America that he had an argument with someone and they pulled out a fucking gun and shot him in the leg. Not shooting to kill, just to make a point. What the fuck? Just a little exclamation point on the end of their argument. That's really funny. That's fucked up that happened to him. That's really funny though. I'm sorry. <laughs> Brings new meaning to the term interrobang. It does, doesn't it? That's such a good... That's such a good word. I love it. Uh, Let's see. In 1900... Malatesta returned to London. Following the assassination of King Umberto by an Italian anarchist from New Jersey, Malatesta is watched by British police. Hey, great, so now the fucking British are in on it. In 1907, he attends an international anarchist conference in Amsterdam. Also present are Emma Goldman and Rudolf Rocker, two more famous anarchists. Hell yeah. In 1909, he and Rudolf Rocker are imprisoned for three months on charges of criminal libel. Oh. He's, he's considered for deportation... But the attempt is dropped when supporters organize a demonstration in Trafalgar Square. Aw, that was nice of them. In 1910, mm-hmm. Malatesta is suspected of involvement in the Houndsditch murders. Three policemen were shot during a jewelry robbery in London's East End. The thieves tunneled in from an empty house nearby. A search revealed a card with Malatesta's name on it. The investigation revealed that several months earlier, one of the thieves had contacted an anarchist group in the area claiming to be an out-of-work mechanic. He was introduced to Malatesta, who was working as a mechanic at the time. Malatesta gave him a card of introduction to his suppliers. The thief used the car to buy tools, including a welding torch, that were used in the robbery. Damn! Malatesta Malatesta was found innocent, and the thieves were killed in a police raid on their hideout. Oh my god! I'm glad he was found innocent, because that's not his fault. He was literally just trying to help out some friend. Like, damn, that sucks. In 1913, he again returned to Italy to take part in a planned anti-clerical and anti-parliamentary demonstrations in Ancona. In 1914, a general strike begins when two demonstrators are killed by police in Ancona. Known as Red Week, 
Troops in the area fraternize with protesters while Malatesta and his fellow anarchists attempt to organize a revolt against the government. Hmm. Their plans are frustrated when the General Confederation of Labor, which controlled most of Italy's trade unions, called off the strike. Malatesta returned to London. Hmm. That reminds me of the um, British unions that called off strikes that were planned because of the Queen's death, which is like... uh, Like, you don't get it, do you? You know? Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. In 1919, Malatesta returned to Italy, where he starts the first anarchist daily, Umanita, Umanita Nova. Not sure I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> it is a period of turmoil prior to Mussolini's ascent to power. Oh. Now, you remember who Mussolini is, right? Yeah, I get the feeling that our boy isn't going to do well under Mussolini. In 1920... He urged the workers strike and occupy their factories. Metal workers in Milan and Turin do so. Other strikes follow, but the Socialist Party and the General Confederation of Labor convince the workers to end the strike. Mm. Malatesta and 81 other anarchists are arrested. Damn. In 1921, Malatesta goes on a hunger strike to protest the delay in being brought to trial. He's found not guilty and released two months before the fascists gain power. God damn. In 1924 through 1926, despite harassment and censorship, Malatesta publishes the journal Pensiero e Volenta. In 1926, Mussolini silences all independent press. Yeah. In 1932, Malatesta was killed by the fascists. Yeah, that tracks. Stuff really did not tend to go too well for them around that time. Nope. God damn. That's a hell of a mischievous, mischievous boy. He did not take shit. Did not take shit and, 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 and fought the good fight until the very end. Good for him. No, he's absolutely going in the Hall of Fame. He's mischievous as fuck. He said, fuck the government. I'm going to do what I need to do. Big fan. Indeed. So that was Erico Malatesta, a now infamous mischievous boy. Love that for him. I really do. So I guess we have enough for an episode. So Stevie... Where can people find you? You can find all my stuff at stevieb.com. That's stevieb.com. Also, like I said at the beginning, the trailer for Arbor Square dropped today, and the release date is officially October 21st. Uh, I believe we're releasing it in parts, and I'm really fucking excited. So the first part is coming out October 21st. I'm so fucking stoked, dude. Um, if you want to see the trailer, uh, we have also reblogged it on our Tumblr, which is Gender Swap Podcast. Yeah. Micah, where can the good people find all of your stuff? The good people can find my music at mxmaxwell1.bandcamp.com. We also have a Patreon, where for a mere $3 per month, you get episodes on the off weeks, which now comes the important... Now comes an important announcement. We are changing our schedule because Stevie is extremely busy this this, this semester. School's so, beat my ass, boys. It's not going very well for me. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to go to free episodes every two weeks. Or no, free episodes every... Bas- okay, basically, we are recording every other week, and we record alternatingly. Free episode, Patreon episode. So I believe that would mean that you're getting one free episode every month when patreon episode every month yeah because normally it's two so we're cutting that in half right yeah okay so new episodes every month if you're missing us desperately desperately we got a patreon where you get a bonus episode every month um and i do appreciate you guys' patience in this time i know that is uh, uh, in stark contrast to what it had been 
But I am very appreciative of you guys for being patient with our upload schedule. Since school is beating my ass this go, it's it's going pretty poorly overall. Um, and I'm trying to take care of my mental health uh, and stay sane in these trying, trying times. So I appreciate you guys for all of your patience. I do. And also, if you sign up for the Patreon, you get to listen to the back episodes, the back bonus episodes. Oh, there's a have. fuck ton of episodes. <laughs> there's a lot of them. We're <laughs> up to 36 yeah. of the uh, bonus episodes. So if you, you really miss us that much, sign up for the Patreon, listen to the bonus content. Here yeah. are melodious voices in your ear holes. You get access to our whole backlog, of which there is a ton. So don't worry. You can still get your, your sweet, sweet gender swap fix. We're still there for you. Don't worry. Exactly. Put us straight in your bloodstream. So we talked about the Patreon. We talked about the Tumblr. We did. Yeah, we got Tumblr. mentioned that earlier. Gender Swap Podcast. You can send us daily questions and quiz ideas over there if you want. Also, mail. It's really good. I like getting messages from you guys there. It's really fun. It's very exciting. It makes me feel happy inside. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to talk to Stevie directly, go to the Tumblr because Stevie watches the Tumblr. If you want to talk to me directly, go to the Patreon because I'm the one that watches the Patreon. Yeah. So, so you the got trick here is both of us. But the difference is, you can talk to Stevie for free, but you gotta pay <laughs> to talk to me. Mike is like a step up, just a little bit more inaccessible. <laughs> Just slightly, but for a mere three dollars per month, you can pester me on Patreon. You could you could send Micah the words "kung pao penis" every day for a month, as long as you give them a good three dollars. You can kung pao penis them every day if you want. And honestly, isn't that worth the price of admission alone? Oh, it absolutely is. Hell, I'd pay three dollars to send you kung pao penis every day, even though I know I could do it for free. <laughs> exactly. So. uh... Yeah, I think there's nothing left to say, but, uh, bye! bye.